turn to your neighbor and tell them a nickname that you have had in your life. Online, go ahead and put it in the chat. I want to know some nicknames. I just want to say, and be, hey, 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 hold on. Before these guys exit, hold on, come here. Before these guys exit, I'm a nickname guy. So I've, this is E-Rock, that's Conan, Huey, Zachary, Shorty, and Africa. I realized on stage, yeah, I... I realized I had given all, they each have a nickname in my life. I love giving nicknames. Anybody hear some really funny, inappropriate nicknames that you can tell me? Yeah? Who has a good nickname they can say? Yeah? Oh, you, you, everybody's all shy. I said, nicknames are interesting. Nicknames give us an insight into someone's life. Perhaps I have some nicknames from college that don't quite fit me as a pastor and vice versa. Nickname, yeah, yeah. But nicknames give us insight, a little glimpse into a part of someone's life. And perhaps you have some nicknames that do that very same thing. Today we're talking, we're in Genesis, and we've been in Genesis going through this series for, for a little while, and we're going to come to a very interesting place. I want to remind us that we are talking about Abram and Sarai. And if you're just joining us today in the building, or if you're joining us online, wherever you are, or on the podcast, um, we're working through Genesis, and we're in Genesis 17 today, looking at the life of Abram. God revealed himself to Abram and gave him promises. And I just want to go ahead and state something obvious that we lose track of. When God gives you a promise, consider it done. When God promises something, you can consider it completed. Abram has faith in God's promise. We know this, but Abraham loses trust in God's process. Let me say that again. Abraham has faith in God's promise, but he loses trust in God's process to get him there. Doesn't sound like any of us. We'll flesh it out and see what that means. Listen, it's been 25 years since God, since Abram first heard from God that there was going to be this big promise in his life. He hears all these things, and, and, it's, and then nothing happens. Still, when God promises something, consider it done. Abram and Sarai, they believe the promise, yet lose faith in the process, and they decide to help God be God. At Sarai's prompting, Abram marries his wife's servant. They have a child named Ishmael, and Abram loves Ishmael. And even though he, he learns that Ishmael, this oldest son of his, isn't the child of promise or blessing, he loves him and he wants good things for him. But that means the promise remains unfulfilled. The promise is not completed yet. And, and while the process of God, God is precisely on time. God has a promise for you and a purpose for you, and there's a process, and we feel like he's late. He's always on time. And while he's on time in Abram's life, listen, humanity, Abram and Sarai, you and me, we get, we get impatient. It's like my kids in the car, whenever we're going anywhere. Before I had kids, it was always a joke, are we there yet? I thought that was a joke. Oh, it's a painful reality. And I always, I, I always say, you'll know we get there when I tell you. That's not enough. That's, and I always say 10 minutes, and they, they haven't figured out that it's always 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. Um, anytime we, we, we get impatient with the process, we short-circuit that process to reach the promise. And here's the truth. Anytime we short-circuit the process to get to the promise, we create problems. 
It's just always going to be true. God gives us promises out there. We short-circuit the process because it's taking too long, and it creates problems in our lives. In Genesis 17, after 25 years of waiting, God appears to Abram again. It's been decades since he first heard of this. Abraham is living on faith that, yes, God's ultimate promise and purposes will come true. It will happen. Now, God's about to show up and give Abram some more insight. More insight into the promise, more insight into Abram and who he is, and more insight into God and reveal himself to Abram in a new way. Now, when it comes to God's nature in the Old Testament, I want to say this. The Old Testament is an unfolding of God's revelation of who he is to his people. And as we're going to travel through the Old Testament, we're going to find new names, new experiences, as God continues to reveal who he is up to Jesus, the ultimate revelation of what he's like. The Old Testament is a revelation. We started in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created. We had this creator God who's outside of time, above everything, and he, he creates, he's vast, he's, he's massive, he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's creator. Then he creates Adam and Eve, and he, he comes down and gets, has a relationship with them. And then we see this God who wants his people to walk faithfully and uprightly. And when they don't, through Noah, he, he changes everything. And now here we see with Abram, he, he does something new. He's revealing new parts of himself because he meets Abram and he gives him a personal promise and blessing. And he says that this blessing that he's going to give Abram will be for all people, if you remember that. Abram, I'm going to do something in your life that all people will be blessed by. All generations, all nations, all types, all people. And of course, he's talking about the son of redemption, the one to come. Now, for Abram and Sarai, they want this, this son of blessing to come to their life, and it takes a long time. So they do what none of us would ever do. They decide to help God with it. They create a son, but this son they create is neither the son of blessing or redemption. And remember, God is continually revealing his nature in the Old Testament. He was revealed last week we talked about with this name Elroy, the God who sees me. And if you're feeling like God is not aware or doesn't see your pain or where you are right now, I would encourage you to go check last week's message. Today we're going to see that God is about to reveal himself to Abram and to us in a new way. Now, he's going to tell Abram a name for himself. Anytime God gives a name, kind of like those nicknames we talked about at the beginning, it's a glimpse into a new perspective of his nature. Now, in the Old Testament, God's going to reveal many names for himself, but it's not like we would view a name. Not names, like, it's not like Russell or Cortland or Susan or Victoria. Those are individual names for individual people. The names God has, they're individual names that reveal the same individual in unique ways. Think of a diamond. Think of a really big diamond. Some of you single women have been thinking about that for a long time. You can nudge somebody next to you if you're waiting. It's okay. God works in mysterious ways, and maybe this is one of them. Think of a diamond. <laughs> we also do premarital counseling. So, um, a diamond is beautiful. We can all agree. If you hold a diamond up to the light and you turn it, you begin to see that a diamond has something called many facets. Each facet reveals a new insight, a new perspective of the beauty. 
but it's all one diamond. It's a new perspective, a new insight into the same one diamond. And so are the names with God. It's one God, and each name we're going to see revealed by him is a new facet of the diamond that reveals something new about him. It gives us a new insight into him, a new perspective. And that's what we see today in Genesis 17, verse 1. Let's dive in. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live, blameless, live a blameless life. I am El Shaddai. He gives him a name. Now, if, if we look at this name, this facet, we're going to see new perspectives, uh, new insights, a new revealed nature of the God. Abraham's going to learn a whole new side of the God he's been following. El Shaddai has some very interesting roots, some of which mean mountain, like all-powerful, and that's, that's on its surface. It means God Almighty. El Shaddai is the God above all. He is all-powerful. He's the God who has no rival, who has no equal. He is God Almighty. There is nothing El Shaddai cannot do. There's no purpose he cannot accomplish. El Shaddai's promises will be completed. His destinies will be done. His purposes are indomitable. He is invincible. He is unrivaled. And he, he tells Abram, I gave you a promise, Abram. I gave you a promise decades ago. I told you my promise. I told you my purpose. But you doubted my process. Abram, when I say something will happen, I am El Shaddai. And my purposes, my promises, they will happen. No one and nothing can thwart me. But Abram, you and your wife, you didn't trust that I had it settled. And so you worked and you strived on your own. You didn't trust the process, so you created your own process. That's the same thing Adam and Eve did. Did you know that? They wanted to be on the same level as God, to call those shots, to, to be God in their own life. And this, the same is true with Abram as it is with Adam and Eve and with us. Whenever we step into God's position and we try to get control over something he's asked us to have faith in, it's going to result in dysfunction and disorder and difficult seasons. He says, I am El Shaddai. I gave you a promise. You didn't trust my process. Orchard, what Abram and Sarai did was they played God in their life. They were, sure, they were sure what he would do, but they grew tired of waiting. They got weary of the waiting. And there are places in our lives where we're doing the same thing, where we are playing God. We take the reins, we grab control, we make the decisions in places he's asked us to have faith. God gives us this name here, El Shaddai. His purposes will be completed. His promises will be fulfilled. You can't hurry it. You can't force it. And you can't thwart it. But just like Abram and Sarai, we claim that, yes, I have faith in you, God, and that you are good, and I trust your promises, but we stop trusting his process. Where in your life are you impatiently playing God because you have lost faith in the process that God is working you through and working into you? El Shaddai accomplishes his promises. Where we misstep is where Abram and Sarai did. That very place of trusting the process. But, but here's the beauty of this name, El Shaddai. 
And, and this is important to see when God gives us this name. You see, God Almighty, Lord of the promise and the purpose. But the Hebrew root here also gives us another insight into what it means that God is El Shaddai. Another glimpse into this beautiful facet of this amazingly powerful God because it's great that he's all powerful, but this Hebrew word here, root here is also shad, which means breast, which indicates the nourishing of a mother's, a nursing mother. <laughs> which means... El Shaddai is this beautiful name that reveals a God who is all-powerful and whose promises and purposes will be accomplished. When he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But also embedded in this name El Shaddai is this imagery of a nourishing and sustaining God along the way in the process. He's in the promise and he's in the process. El Shaddai says, I promise you something, and I'm going to get you there. But in the meantime, and in the in-between time, I'm going to nourish and sustain you until then. Which means El Shaddai is both powerful in the promise and present in the process. El Shaddai is powerful in the promise and present with you in the process. God comes and gives revelation of who he is to Abram. You, you tried this on your own for decades, Abram. I gave you a promise, but you didn't know my name back then. I'm going to give you a new revelation of who I am, a new facet to see that, that these promises, yes, they will be done, but Abram, you haven't trusted my process. I can sustain you in them He's the God who can sustain Abram and Sarai even when the years and the decades drag on. You see, God has been watching Abram play God. And what has Abram done? He's invented his own process. I know the promise, and, and God's process is taking too long. We have our own ideas of a process that could get us there. Let's do our own process because we don't have faith in him. But Abram... I'm going to reveal something to you, who I am, that's going to show you how you should respond to me. El Shaddai, keeper of the promise. El Shaddai, in the meantime and in the in-between time, the God who sustains you in the desert, in the storm, whatever it is in the in-between time before you get to the promise, I'm with you and I can sustain you. You don't need to go create your own process. I am at work. El Shaddai is the God who holds your future securely. And El Shaddai is the God who holds you securely until he gets you to that place. He's both. The name El Shaddai proclaims, I am both the promise keeper someday and the promise sustainer every day until then. Right here in Genesis 17, we get this new facet of, of God with this name, this glimpse and this name bursts into the, in the Old Testament. It's the name that Abram's family will actually use over and over. His son Isaac speaks of this name, El Shaddai. His grandson Jacob speaks of El Shaddai. His great-grandson Joseph in Egypt hears of El Shaddai's promises. His family hinges on this facet, this, this name of the God of the promise and the purpose and the God who's present 
in the process. And we're going to see this in Joseph and Isaac and Jacob's life in a beautiful way in the future weeks. So in Genesis 17, God reveals he's El Shaddai, and he, he tells Abram how he should live in light of it. And this is important. In light of knowing that God is El Shaddai, how then should we live? And he says, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. Serve, remain faithful. Remain faithful. You, you remain faithful to a God you know who holds both your future promise and your present process. You remain faithful in the present even though the future hasn't yet come. You remain faithful and you cling, yes, to the promise of what will happen, but also you remain faithful in the knowledge and knowing that he's with me and he wants to sustain me and nourish me when I'm dry and I can't see the promise anymore. Where have we become impatient with God's timing? Where have we stopped being faithful in our life. Oh, we used to be so faithful in, in our prayers. We used to be so faithful in our gathering with other believers. We used to be so faithful in our tithes and first fruits. We used to be so faithful in our reading of his word. We used to be so faithful in our pursuit of holiness. But time wore us down, didn't it? We got impatient. And our impatience led to indifference. And in some places, we stopped walking faithfully because we lost sight of the God who wants to sustain us in the process. So we tried to sustain ourselves like Abram and Sarai. Are you single and waiting for a godly spouse? Like, tell me, that doesn't always take longer than you want, right? Remain faithful. And know, single, that God can sustain you in the loneliness, in the hopelessness, in the disappointed. God can nourish and sustain you. El Shaddai wants to sustain you in between the time of that. What about in a marriage that's lost its life, that's, that's teetering or into indifference? Roommates, whatever. Remain faithful. He sustains you in the process. He is El Shaddai who can nourish your heart and soul even in a dry season and a difficult marriage? Are you praying and waiting for, for God to move and bring a loved one who's far from God to himself? Oh, he is El Shaddai. Remain faithful, knowing that he can nourish you when hope seems dim and it's another disappointment. Remain faithful in your prayers. Are you tempted to trust your own self in business or in finances? Remain faithful. He can carry you through better than you can ever manage on yourself. And he is El Shaddai. And he wants you to look to him as your ultimate source of provision. Not yourself. Abram and Sarai waiting for a baby of blessing that God said would happen. And perhaps that's where you find yourself hoping for a baby to hold your own and remain faithful to God knowing he sustains your heart even in the losses and disappointments. Where in your life do you need to remember that there is an El Shaddai, the God of the promise and the God in the process? Where do you need to remember this today? Where have we, where have we chosen to become unfaithful because we have gotten so tired of waiting that we have drifted into indifference? God, I'm in a hard season. I, I know you're good. 
God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. I can say it, but I need to know now that you're with me in the process. God, I have faith that you're good in the future, but where are you in the present? God, I believe you can accomplish the purposes you have and the promises, but I'm in some painful present circumstances. God, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough, but instead I'm breaking down. And he says, I am El Shaddai. I'm bringing your breakthrough, but you need to get to know El Shaddai in the breakdown. Know me in the process. Oh, you might have faith in the promise. Have faith in El Shaddai in the painful, dry season and the storm of the process between here and there. God reveals his name. And in light of that, he says to remain faithful. And he says live a blameless life, which means walk uprightly. Saying no to what God would want you to say no to. Say yes to the things that he would want you to say yes to. Making wise, godly decisions, even when no one's watching and it's a dry season and it's easy to give in. It's walking faithfully with God in those moments. God's not done with Abram. He continues. He reveals his new name and gives a better understanding. And then in verse 2, he says this. I'll make a new covenant. Not a new covenant. This is not a new covenant. He is reiterating the covenant he's made. I'll make a covenant with you, which I guarantee to give you countless descendants. I, what? I guarantee the God of the promise. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground, and God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I'll make you father of a multitude of nations. Now, he's heard some of this before. He's been out under the stars, and he's counted them. I mean, Abraham is not uh, unaware of the promises God has for him. But God takes it a step further, and God makes it personal. Verse 5, what's more, I'm changing your name. You heard my new name. My new fast, I'm changing your name. It's no longer Abram. Instead, you'll be Abraham, for you'll be a father to many nations. Abram means exalted father, which is, is always kind of a cruel joke because he's, he's not. He's a failed father. And God doubles down. He like goes all in. He says, I'm going to make it personal and I'm doubling down because Abraham, that means father of many nations. That means father of multitudes. That means father of many. He wants to be certain that, El, that, that Abraham will trust El Shaddai, not only in the promise, but also, as we're going to see, he's going to start talking about the process. Because right now, he's promising all these big things. And Abraham's, Abraham's like, yeah, yeah, God's good. All the time, God's good. And all the time, God is good. He's got big promises, big purposes. Woo! But he, he's, he's, he's going to do something. His, his name is now Father of Many. Which is interesting, because as the moment this, this ends, and Abraham will go to his life, and he goes, tribe, he's the patriarch, tribe, I am now the father, my name's Abraham, father of many. And from that point on, they would all call him Abraham. Which means, every time someone talks to him, it's this reiteration of Abraham, do you trust El Shaddai? Uh, your name is now, like in this past tense, it's done, the promise is done. And so the next day, his servant comes in to give him his dinner. Uh, father of many? Father of many, your, your supper is ready. Next week, the shepherd comes in. Uh, father of many, here's the account of, uh, of the flocks. Uh, next month, his wife says, uh, Father of many, we need to discuss something. On and on, this would be a reiteration of the promise. This, this, this promise that is out there, that God keeps speaking to him, and he believes the promise, but God's not done. He wants to talk about the process. Verse 15 
Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name is no longer Sarai. From now on, it will be Sarah. Now, Sarai means princess. But Abraham, father of many, that won't be her, day from, her name from this day on. Sarah means noble woman. And more specifically, it means the wife of a noble king who was above all concubines and other women. A noble queen who's above all other women. He goes, God goes further. He says, and I will bless her, Sarah, and give you a son from her. Yes, I'll bless her richly. She'll become a mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. In other words, this promise I'm giving you, let me, let me just make it clearer, Abraham. Let me make it more clear, El Shaddai says. You're going to be the father of many. And Sarah, this, this noble queen, there's no need for any other plan or woman because she is the one who will give birth to the son of blessing. My promises will be fulfilled. Oh, oh, and now I'm giving you specifics on the process that you have refused to trust. A son uh, from Sarah. El Shaddai is saying, have faith in the promise keeper and be faithful to the process sustainer. Of course, Abraham responded like any spiritual giant would, just like you and me in verse 17. Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. He just, and you know when you're in class, remember, you know, back then, and you, you have to laugh, but you can't let the teacher or anybody see you? So you just put your head down and start laughing. I guess what he did, he bowed to the ground. <laughs> I love Abraham's personality. There's a few moments in his account where you see his unique personality come out, and this is one of them. I mean, he's already fallen down face first previously when El Shaddai was giving him all these promises up earlier in the chapter. He, he must have gotten back up to his knees while these, the names are being thrown around. And here he falls back to his face when he hears this mention of a son. But not just any son, a son to my wife, my, my wife, Sarah. I'm glad she has a new name, but um, she's, she's 90. Nothing wrong with being 90. I just want to say that right now. I'm going to go on record. He, 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 Abraham hears the process. The promise is up here. He hears the process. This is going to be your wife and you. And uh, he says, uh, he bows down and he laughs to himself in disbelief. This reveals, you know what this reveals? Just how little trust he actually had in the process. And then he goes on, it says this. How could I become a father at the age of 100? He thought, how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90? So Abraham said to God, hey, uh, God, may Israel, is Ishmael live under your special blessing. Abraham is still bringing his own processes to the promise. He's like, God, I, I know you've said that these things are going to happen. It's been a long time. Uh, and you haven't really come through on that. But while you've been doing nothing, I got me an Ishmael over here. This is my, pro my process. I've been working on this. I did pretty good. Um, let's, let, let's just call it a day and uh, let Ishmael have the blessing. Like literally, he, he goes, I hear your promise and I'll raise you my process. But God said in verse 19, no. Man, I, I, it's so, I don't like it when God does that. I just have it perfectly planned, perfectly processed. I know how we're going to get there. It's all perfect. God goes, nope. Sarah, your wife, will give birth to a son for you. 
I mean, just point blank, God clarifies. It's not through your means or your power or your process. Great plan, by the way. That worked out well. It's by my power. It's by my purposes, my promises. I'm going to do this in your life. This reminds me of when God is revealing to Mary that she's going to birth the son of redemption, Jesus. And she wonders how it's possible because she has remained pure. And God says in Luke 137, the word of God will never fail for nothing is impossible with God. Oh, she's 90. Watch this. What am I going to do, Abraham? Oh, no. El Shaddai is, he's unflustered. What God is doing here, what he's saying here, and then what he does I mean, he's on, a, he's on a roll with the whole name thing. Have you noticed this? He says, I'm El Shaddai, you're Abraham, she's Sarah. He's got one left. He's like just, I mean, he's making, he's making a raid in the club. He's giving these names out and he says, your, your wife, Sarah, she's going to give birth to a son and you're going to name him Isaac. So now we have a new name for God, El Shaddai. We have a new name for Abram, father of many, Abraham. We have a new name for Sarai, Sarah noble woman. And now we have a name for this son of blessing, the one, the son of promise, Isaac. Now here's one thing that we need to remember and realize. We love a good joke, don't we? Yeah, we do. We all have senses of humor. Some of you much more than others. Don't know, again, no elbows. Now, we love senses of humor. We love jokes. And we've talked about how we're made in the image of God. We love humor because God's the author of it. He has a really big sense of humor. And right here, he's about to just interject some humor into the story, okay? Are you ready for this? God tells Abraham, you and Sarah will have a son. And what is Abraham's response? Take that off. What is Abraham's response? He laughs. And then God says, you'll name your son Isaac, which means he laughs. I mean, it happens one after another. He goes, your wife Sarah's going to bear you a son. He goes face down. Oh, my goodness, are you serious? He laughs. And then God goes, oh, your son's name is going to be He Laughs. I love it. God always gets the last laugh. And years from now, actually a year from now, Abraham holding this baby, God's going to say, who's laughing now? Who's laughing You are Abraham for a totally different reason. You're laughing with joy. Back then you were laughing at the absurdity of my process. Sometimes we laugh at the absurdity of God's process. We're going to be laughing with joy at the revelation of his promise to come. As I thought through this and, and put myself in Abraham's shoes, it occurred to me that For the rest of his life, whenever he calls his beloved son's name, Isaac, Isaac, he laughs, he laughs. May he go back, may he remember back to that moment when he was on his face. May he go back to that moment when he had lost faith in the process. May he go back to that moment when he thought God's purpose and promise needed his help. May he go back to where he had lost faith in God's timing. May he go back where he he laughed at the absurdity Because every time he calls his son's name, he's going to remember that. And for some of you, you're living in the promise. And you need to stop and you need to think and remember back to the time when you laughed at the absurdity that you'd have a beloved next to you, that you'd have beloved in your arms, that you would have the whatever the desires of your heart that God has purposed and promised in your life, and you hold it and you have it, and, and now it's just part of your life. But stop 
and remember there was a time you were on your face just pleading for that son, that daughter to return from God, that parent, that relationship, that business, that whatever it would be. And now, now is the time to laugh with joy and remember where you would come from. That the God of the promise, remember how we were in the process. It makes me just think when, when his son coming, comes running in, when Isaac comes running in the room and says, Papa, and jumps into the 100-year-old arms. Abraham, you remember, I am El Shaddai. I'm God of the promise. And I'm God of the process. And God knows that while Abraham might have laughed in disbelief at that moment, he will someday, someday hold his son close and just laugh tears of joy. And God laughs with tears. God laughs blessing. God laughs with us over us when he sees us receive our blessings. When the promise finally comes into fulfillment, he just, he laughs with us out of joy. Today we're reminded that El Shaddai has promises and purposes for you and for me and for this church, for this world, and for this kingdom that will happen. Listen, all the media, all the news, all the prophets, and all those people out there, you cannot force hurry, or thwart the purpose and promise of God. El Shaddai refuses to be rushed by any politicians or any people or any churches or any non-churches or anything. He's right on time. The God of the promise, his promises, his purposes are going to happen. And along the way, he's the God of the process for those of us who are wondering where he is. El Shaddai stands almighty. He stands robed in power with the world at his feet. He can do all things. And guess what? He has promises for you specifically. He has purposes for you specifically. He has a calling for you specifically. He has good things ahead for you. He wants to delight your life with good things. And you can place your faith in God Almighty, El Shaddai, for the goodness he has for you ahead. And you can remember, he's the God of the process in the desert and the storm and the weariness of the waiting. And don't force it. Don't come up with your own process. For those of us who are frustrated and losing faith because of just the lack of movement, the lack of evidence, the lack of God doing something in the now, we need to remember that El Shaddai, the same El Shaddai who gives us the promises He's going to be with you in the process. And what does it mean to sustain you? That means he wants to give you what you need to make it through to the promise. Are you lonely? He will sustain you to the promise. Are you broken? He will nourish you to the promise. He gives you what you need, and he knows what you need better than you or I know. And that's why he calls us to walk faithfully, so that he can sustain and nourish. He's with you in the breakdown. El Shaddai is, walks with you in the breaking. He's going to carry you through the breakthrough, and he's going to laugh with you in the blessing. So what do we do? We walk faithfully. We don't give up faith in his, his plan or his heart. We take him at his promises and his purposes. We walk faithfully. And what I want to ask today is there are some of us here today, we need to realize there are places we have stopped walking faithfully, where we have stopped living uprightly. We need to recognize this. Because we need to adjust and come back to El Shaddai, who in Jesus' grace welcomes you without condemnation. 
But where have we, where have you been unfaithful? Where have you got impatient and stopped, ceased to live uprightly? It's to, instead of saying, I will wait for, and let God nourish and sustain me, you've said, I want it now and gone out and found whatever you needed. Listen, don't give in to temptation to go and create your own process of blessing. Don't give in to the temptation to go create some smaller purpose. Don't give in to the temptation like Abram did to jump into a relationship or jump into a partnership to get what you most want now. And don't be Sarai and, and, and give in to the temptation to give up your position and your self-worth because you want anything now. He's the God in the process who can sustain you in those places. And here's the last thing I want to say about El Shaddai. Um, he is the God who's never done writing redemption in your story. You look at the life of Abram, at the places they messed it up, they chose sin, horrible ideas, gave up on God's process, and he shows up and he says, here's who I am. And then he says, guess what, here's who you are. He gives them a new name. And some of you in here have some very specific names that you've gathered over the years. Unworthy, unlovable, divorced, abused, sinful, what names do you carry? El Shaddai has never done writing your story. And he wants to interject today, just like he did with Abraham, and say, you are not unworthy. You're my daughter. You're not sinful and too far gone. You're my son. And because of Jesus, you are forgiven and redeemed and lifted up. Listen, El Shaddai is the God who continues to write redemption. Yeah, you may have been divorced. Yeah, you may have messed up. Yeah, this might have happened. Whatever your might have happened, happened, it did. But El Shaddai wants to step into your story and go, I'm not done writing in my redemption into your process because the promise is coming. What do you need today? Maybe you need a new name. Maybe you've been carrying that old name of shame for far too long. Maybe you need to be reminded that there are good promises and purposes for you and that there's a God in the process who calls you and it walks with you. So Father God, El Shaddai, God Almighty, I pray they would help us to surrender to you, surrender to your plan. Forgive us as a church and a people where we have walked unfaithfully away from you in our impatience. Forgive us as a church and as a people where we have ceased to walk uprightly and we have chosen instant gratification in the process because we're tired of it. El Shaddai, I pray that you would remind us of the promise you have for us. And I pray would show us where you are with us in the process and today that you would give new names to sons and daughters in Jesus name